0: Welcome to Wisdom in the Word podcast, the show that not only answers your questions from God's Word, but equips believers with the foundational truths for their faith. We're excited that you've taken time to join us and hope that today's content is valuable to you. Today, in part one of a two-part study, Pastor Wiley discusses the origin and role of Melchizedek according to Genesis 14. Let's begin today in our study here in Genesis chapter number 14. I want to encourage you to go to Genesis 14 here as we're getting started today. Today's question on our Thursday broadcast of Wisdom in the Word deals with this particular question, can you help me understand more clearly who Melchizedek was? Can you help me understand more clearly who Melchizedek was? I'm not sure if I can help you understand more clearly who Melchizedek was or not, uh, the question is framed in such a way that somebody wants some clarity and we're going to provide as much clarity as we possibly can on this particular issue it's it's a hard issue uh, it's one that scholars debate they go back and forth the majority of scholarship is going to fall on the side that I'm going to take today but that doesn't mean that we this is an area we need to divide over this is certainly a an issue an in-house debate that we can have uh, we can have conversation on and we can come to two separate conclusions about this and still love one another and uh, get along together and have unity um, in the church and so I think it's important for us to tackle this subject today it's a great Bible study and so I, I mentioned to you we're going to be we're going to begin in Genesis chapter number 14 today and as we begin we're going to read this particular passage and uh, begin in verse number 13 of our text. Genesis chapter 14 and verse number 13. And there came one that had escaped and told Abraham the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eskel and brother of Aner. And these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, that is Lot, his brother, is referring to his relative, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. And the king of Sodom Sodom, went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of uh, Kedoleomar, and of the kings uh, that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich, save only that <clears throat> that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men which wept with me, Aner, Eskel, and Mamre, let them take their portion. Now, what we're reading here. In Genesis 14 is the result of what happens we did not read the first 12 verses of this text but the first 12 verses talks about a battle that takes place uh, we've got four kings pit against five kings uh, there's a rebellion that takes place uh, there are there are four kings that are, are conquered and ultimately uh, they serve you'll, you'll notice those kings in verses 1 and 2 Um, And what happens in verse number 4 is 12 years they served uh, Cador Laomer, and in the 13th year they rebelled. So there's this rebellion. And so Cador Laomer gets together his kings and their armies, and they go to put down this rebellion that has come up. And so this is just kind of giving us a little bit of historical perspective on what's happening in the passage. Now amongst this, amongst the group that is taken captive... They put down the rebellion, and in putting down the rebellion, Lot, Abram's brother's son, uh, the Bible says in verse number 12, uh, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. That is, they were taken captive. And so someone comes and reports to Abram and says, Abram, your your, your servant, your nephew, Lot, has been taken captive in in the squelching of this rebellion. And so what Abram does is he gathers his own personal armed, trained servants. This is his own militia, people that have been raised in his house, 318. Uh, In verse number 14, it says there were 318 of them, and they pursue after uh, Lot, and they pursue after this band, and the Bible says that he recovered all of the goods um, that were taken. Uh, We we realize that in verse 16, and he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. So God blesses Abram, and this is, again, before he becomes Abraham. God blesses Abram, and Abram is able to defeat these kings that have, have taken Lot captive, and he brings back all the goods. Now, Abraham, Abraham is on a, a, a real celebration. I mean, this is, a, this is a real high. This is a zenith for him. Uh, he is excited about what God has done. And then we find out in verse number 17, we begin introducing this character. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of uh, Cador Laomer, and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. All right, let's just stop right here. While we have the introduction of this particular character this man by the name of Melchizedek. Now there's so much speculation about this particular man and he gets a lot of airtime. He gets a lot of, uh, he gets a lot of, of discussion studies and messages have been done on him and rightfully so. But what's interesting is he's only found three places in the entire Bible. I mean, there's only three mentions of this man in all of the scripture. And yet we're spending all of this time talking about him. Now, why are we spending all this time talking about him? The reason we're spending time talking about him is because of the way he's presented in Genesis 14, the way that he's presented in Psalm 110, and then the way Hebrews chapter number seven kind of ties everything from the Old Testament together. Now, Hebrews seven gives us some great truth, but it also leaves us with some large holes and big questions. And so I think it's important for us to kind of go into this guy and tackle him a little bit. We talked about him a little bit in regard to we were we were actually talking about being an, uh, a priest, the priesthood of the believer, um, in a uh, in a message that we did on Sunday night. We were talking a little bit about um, being a royal priesthood and and being priests after Jesus, and then we talked about Jesus being a priest after the order of Melchizedek, and that's where this. Particular question came from. So uh, we're just now getting to it, and I hope that it's a a help and a blessing to you. Let's talk a little bit about who this guy is. You'll notice in verse 18 of our text, the Bible says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem. So we know that first off, he's the king of Salem. And notice it goes on in this same text uh, in verse number 18, and he was priest of the most high God. So two things are said of him in verse number 18, clearly define who he is. He's first of all the king of Salem, and secondly, He's the priest of the Most High God. When did he live? Well, he lived at the time of Abraham. His name means, uh, referring to his name is my king is Sedek, which perhaps refers to a deity, uh, but it also means righteousness. So it, it literally interprets the name as king of righteousness. King of righteousness. Um, so in the title, King of Salem, Okay, when we talk about Salem, the word Salem is in the Hebrew, Shalom, which is literally king of peace. So according to the scriptures, his name, Melchizedek, means the king of righteousness and his title, okay, king of Salem, is that he's the king of peace. Now we can already see some indicators that this is going to be a a special character in the scriptures because of his titles. The King of Righteousness, uh, the King of Peace, Shalom, Peace. Now, <clears throat> this particular reference to Salem uh, is probably a reference to Jerusalem. Probably a res- reference to Jerusalem. Um, I don't know if you you realize that, but if you break down Jerusalem, Jeru Salem, okay, the King of Salem. Uh, here in this passage, most people believe historically we're referring back to the same area, the same region, um, and that he was from this area of Jerusalem. Most likely, he is the king of the region. Uh, or the area surrounding Jerusalem. Now, we know Jerusalem is significant, right? Because Jerusalem is going to be the place, it's going to be David's city. It's going to be the city of David. It's going to be the place where the temple is going to be dwelt. It's going to be the place where, where Jesus would come. Jerusalem plays a, a major, it's going to become the, the capital city of Israel. It is going to play a major factor later on. Now, again, remember when we're living. We're living at the time of Abraham we haven't we haven't gotten to the time of exodus we haven't gotten to the the to Aaron and the Aaronic priesthood we haven't gotten to Levi and the Levitical priesthood none of those things exist they're they're all they're all a glint in in God's eye at this point they don't they aren't even real but we have this guy and he's called a priest so let's talk about it likely he's the king of Salem or the king of the region around Jerusalem but what is he priest of you'll notice in this text, the Bible says he was the priest of the Most High God, the priest of the Most High God. This is um, the, God's name El Elyon, El Elyon. He is, he is literally a priest of El Elyon. Now, we don't want to go into all of the meaning of all of the names of God, but I think it's important to recognize that this man was a worshiper of the true and living God. He was a priest of the true and living God. Abraham was also a worshiper of the true and living God. Now remember, we're not really dealing with Jew and Gentile yet because Abraham's got to be going to be circumcised and then he's going to be the first Jew. So this man is, is obviously from another area, another land, But he's familiar with, which kind of goes to prove our point that we talked about in our last podcast about, you know, Jew and Gentile and worship, that God had people that he was working with and gave opportunity for Gentiles to be able to worship him. This guy came from a completely different area than Abraham did, and yet he was aware of the Most High God, the God of the Bible, the Creator God, Elohim, El Elyon. He was familiar with him, he worshiped him, he served him, and according to this passage, he is the priest. So, What's interesting about this is that we find that Melchizedek is both king and priest. Now, what do we know about Jesus? We know that Jesus is going to occupy three different offices. Jesus is going to be prophet, priest, and king. So significantly in the Old Testament, Melchizedek, he actually occupies a position of being both priest and king. Now, this king priest of the city of Salem, okay, which later became known as Jerusalem, met Abram at the valley of Sheva, all right, which means the king's valley, which may have been near Jerusalem and possibly identical to the Kidron Valley. Melchizedek brought out bread and wine. Now, look at the pictures here. Verse 18 a Melchizedek, king of Salem, okay, Melchizedek, okay, the, uh, the guy who's a king of peace. Okay, he's king of Salem, king of righteousness. He brings out, okay, he's a priest and king. So There's a lot of, lot of figurative language here. I love this guy, all right? And then you get into it in verse 18. He brings out, he brings forth what? Bread and wine. Significant? Coincidence? I think not, all right? So he brings out bread and wine. Now, this we know for those of us who know what the uh, Passover meal is and then moving on to the Lord's table, we know that these two elements would be what Jesus would use in order to represent his table. More specifically, wine being the fruit of the vine in the New Testament. We don't believe in, in using um, fermented wine because it's the blood of Christ. And so we would take that as a significant part that he brought out. But it is significant that when he brought out, he brought out bread and wine the king of righteousness, the king of peace, the priest king from Jerusalem comes out and he brings out bread and wine. So this guy's getting more interesting with with every verse that we read, all right? So that's what he does. He brings out bread and wine, probably a meal for Abram's victorious army. He feeds them this way. This was uh, probably what he brought out for them to be able to celebrate. And then you'll notice in the next verse, he blesses Abraham. He blesses Abraham. The Bible says, and he gave Abram the blessing of God most high. He says in verse number 19, and he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. And so you can see his greatness, that he's greater than Abram and Abraham, not just because of his position and title, but because he's the one that confers the blessing as priest he confers a blessing upon Abram and, and blesses him, uh, and notice he blesses him in the name of the Most High God, El Elyon, who is possessor of heaven and earth. They're serving the same God. They're serving the same God. Verse 20, And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And then you'll notice at the end here, okay, the last major and significant thing we see is, is that Abram turns and acknowledges the greatness of Melchizedek and gives him a tithe of all that he had gotten. Now, what has happened is um, Abram has brought back the spoils and he's brought back the goods from this defeat. And what he is doing is he's laying this tithe, this tenth a portion at the feet of Melchizedek as an offering to him. And so uh, he blesses Abram in this priestly role and then the patriarch Abram then gave Melchizedek a tithe of the goods of the booty that he had taken in battle and so Abram acknowledged that God most high was the was the same as Yahweh the God already revealed to him so Yahweh the God most high Elohim it's all the same they're worshiping the same God all right so that's the way we're introduced to him in Genesis chapter number 14. Now, the big question that's looming on the horizon is, who is this guy? Is he, is he a man? Is he not a man? Is he a type of Christ? Is he Christ? Is he pre-incarnate Christ? That is, would be he be a Christophany, a, a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus Christ himself? Interesting. Well, we're not going to answer that question quite yet. The further we've gone into this study on Melchizedek, the more we realize this is a very weighty topic. We've decided to break this particular podcast up into two particular segments. So this is the end of segment one. hope that you'll join us next week for the second part of this particular Bible study on the character of Melchizedek. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wisdom in the Word podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this show on your favorite podcast app and sharing something you've learned on social media. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you next time on Wisdom in the Word.